Computer says yes. I'm on Jack Jump on Mountain Dew. Computer says no. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. You're listening to the Social Media Club EDU Podcast. Well, it is time for another Social Media Club EDU podcast. I am Billy Strutter with, well, I'm with Social Coop, but I am the treasurer for Social Media Club Detroit. And since I gave the presentation today, I can't interview myself. So we were, well, I guess we have Joanna DeWicky who decided to join us, who will be doing the interview. So welcome, Joanna. Hello. Awkward pause as always. First, before we get started, I'd like to thank our corporate sponsor, which is Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. You can find them at ahealthiermichigan.org, B4B Connect, who host our Wednesday night classes once a month. And then, of course, Makomo Yu, who hosted me today um, and actually allowed me to come back and speak. So we talked about paid social today and about, um, yeah, well, I guess it was paid social, so that is what we're going to talk about, and I will hand things off to Joanna. Okay. Billy, you talked about paid social, as you already explained. So why do businesses use paid social? Well, typically we take a, with lots of marketing that we do, especially as a small business, it's sort of a shotgun approach because we're business owners. We're not marketing people. And paid social allows us to take advantage of people, you know, our customers' social circle. Um, it allows us to reach people at a... Let me back up. So paid search, like Google and PPC, was the sort of the de facto early on. And as that has become more popular and as more companies have started to use it, it has become more expensive. Paid social allows you to reach your customers in a way where you can break it down by gender, by location in a much more affordable way than what you could find with paid search. So when a company comes to you and says that they want to do paid social, what exactly are they looking to do with that? When a company comes to us, what they're generally looking for is like, hey, I have this ad that I'm running on, like in a newspaper. Can you just take that and post it on Facebook and Twitter and wherever it is, whatever social network it may be? And that's a flawed approach because they're not taking the time to customize what they're doing to their audience. And they're not thinking of the thing that I always say is that the key element of social media is social. And as marketers, we sometimes forget that. And we're just taking the same sort of marketing message that we'll put into a magazine or on in any sort of spread. And we're trying to make that work on social. And we really need to make sure that we're customizing it for each platform. So in order to customize it for each platform, you have to think about who you're talking to. And how do you do that? How do you plan the customer's path? Right. Um, Yeah. So one of the things I talked about today was the importance of planning out the customer's path so that you can visualize what that looks like. So how does the, you know, when you post the link on Facebook, what happens next? Are they going from 
Facebook to a landing page or they're going from Facebook to your website? Is there a third-party app that you may be using? But what happens once they get to that landing page? What is that expectation? Uh, are you looking to, to get an email? Um, if you get an email, what does the email look like that you're sending to the customer to confirm that they converted? And then will there be some sort of follow-up in that process? But the idea is that you can visually see what that entire process looks like so that you can identify holes that may be within your process. Okay. So how do you decide what factors you're going to target? And what? how do you decide what platforms make sense for each customer? Well, it has, it has, you need to have a basic understanding of who your who your best customer is. And it's interesting that when you ask a small business owner, what does your best customer look like? They don't always have the answer for that. Um, you know, larger corporations, they have the budget, they have the ability to go and do market research. But when you're a small business, you're so focused on just running your business every day that you aren't always, you don't always have the time to just sit down and think through your marketing approach. But that's really important so that you don't just run an ad for, let's say that you're, um, I'll just take McClure's Pickles, for example, right? So if you're McClure's Pickles and you want to run an ad, um, you're not just going to run an ad for everybody in Metro Detroit because not everybody in Metro Detroit is a pickle lover. But the great thing about paid social is that when you go to Facebook, you have the ability to identify people who like um, your competitors' pickles, who like pickles in general, um, or have the same sort of identification as people who are fans of your page. And that's what we call a lookalike audience. So do you want to speak more about what a lookalike audience means to someone that is setting up paid social? Absolutely. Um, great question. And I feel like I should say something smart. Yes. So the idea there is that you, if you have say like a database of all of your emails, customers um, that you've kept track of over the years. You can upload that information to Facebook and say, here are all of the people who have purchased from me. Facebook will go out and try to identify all of those people um, on Facebook so that you can show them an ad, but they will also go and find people that look just like them. So same demographic, same sort of income, same sort of interest, and then you can show an ad to those people. Um, the interesting thing that we found is that while the conversion rate or the click-through rate is slightly lower with those people, those sort of ads perform really well. So if you're looking to identify a new sort of audience, a custom audience ad works really well for that. Yeah. So anything else, or are we just kind of just stuck here? I don't think we're stuck. Um, let's move on from those sorts of things. So what is important when you're creating ads to think about? Um, we all know that we get annoyed with ads on social. We, we don't love to see people try to sell us. So what's important to think about when you're creating ads? You know, I'm actually going to preface this with a question. Uh, when you say that we get annoyed with ads, what do you think the reasons are that we get annoyed? Well, sometimes I question whether I get annoyed because I know what they're doing or whether everybody already knows what they're doing. I don't know if I know because I do this for a living or whether 
all people know that they're trying to be sold to. Yeah, that and that's the the interesting thing is that you know with since we're in social media and that's what we do for a living, it can be really annoying. Um, but primarily, like for me, I find that my annoyance is not, and that I know what they're trying to do, but more so with the fact that their targeting is so off base. Right. Right. Like the people that they're trying to to target. Um, or if they're showing me an ad, it has no relevance to me. And so it's really frustrating to see a company wasting their money. And granted, it's partially because it's cheap and it's affordable to do so. But if you have the ability to break your audience down by gender or by a custom audience, why would you just take that shotgun approach when you can take, even if it's 15 cents, you can take that money and you can spend it somewhere else. So that's where, um, that's the challenge in, you know, taking advantage of, of paid social is that if you have the ability to, to segment and break it down your audience to really small bite-sized pieces, why would you not take advantage of that? And of course the answer is that because it takes work to do so, but that is what we recommend to all of our clients is that you want to break it down as much as possible so that not only can you see how each segment is performing, but it allows you to make adjustments to the messaging that you're giving them. So you talk about being able to see what happens with each part of that audience. How important is measuring your success? Well, it's everything. I mean, you know, with, with, um, with digital, we have the ability to put things like what we call pixels in place so that we can measure conversion. We can see um, how people are interacting with the ad. We can measure click-through rate. We can see how much time they're spending on the page, the, the landing page, right? Like using Google Analytics, we can say, okay, um, the bounce rate is really high. Um, they're, they're not giving their, their email address and getting to page two. So we know that we need to make some adjustments to, to what we're doing by, by looking at all of those factors. So really analytics to me is, is everything. It makes such a huge um, impact. And so, like, with our clients, what we'll do is we'll go in and we'll say, you know, we need access to your Google Analytics, to as much data as you can provide us, because without that, we can't see what the success of the campaign is. And, you know, it's important to try to make adjustments in real time while you're running a campaign. So that's why we want to make sure that, that we're measuring. So you can use things like Google Analytics, um, and I talked about in my presentation the importance of tagging your URLs, so making sure that you understand. Um, and when you tag your URL, and you'll have to go and look through my presentation, I have an example of what that looks like. But you're, it's, you're passing information along to Google Analytics so that you can identify which ad was clicked, um, what location, where you placed that ad, and so it just allows us to understand how each ad is performing. That was a really long-winded answer, but... Um, yeah, I'm just going to stop talking now. <laughs> no, that was fantastic. So in your presentation, you talked about um, best practices for some of the most used social media platforms. And I'm going to ask you a little bit about that. Hmm. Go ahead, please. So on Facebook, you mentioned using a power editor. Do you recommend that for small businesses and why? Well, the Power Editor is, um, is a nice tool that's available from Facebook, and I don't know if many people use it. Um, it's a great way for you to 
um, create lots of ads in one shot. Um, the way that Facebook is, is set up now when you're using it from the web-based portion is that um, you're creating one ad at a time, and that can, that can be time-consuming. So if you have multiple ads that you need to create, the, the Power Editor uh, works really well. It's great for creating what I call dark posts or um, unpublished posts. So these are posts that you can create that are ads that don't necessarily show up. Well, not necessarily. They don't show up on your Facebook page. So the Power Editor allows you to do things like that. Um, so when you're doing, when you have a lot of segmentation that you need to do, uh, which means that you have to create lots of different ads, you can do that. And there's a lot of functionality that you get out of the Power Editor that you don't get from just creating a single ad on the Facebook platform. You mentioned in your presentation that people should be aware of the boost your post thing that Facebook tells you to do. I've mentioned lots of things in my presentation, haven't I? You have. Okay, sorry. Can you repeat that question? Cause boost your post. Way. Why shouldn't people just jump on boosting their post? Yeah, so the, to me that's like Facebook's knowing that the easiest way for them to make a ton of money is for people to just, you put this nice little boost post on every post that's available. right? But if you take a look at it, it all it's doing is boosting a post to your existing fans and friends of fans. right? The friends of fans, how are, are you sure that that's your target audience? And so it's a really easy way for Facebook to make money, 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 dollars at a time where there's a little icon there where if you click on it, it allows you to create a custom audience to where you can target people by their city, you can target people by gender, you can target people on other things that they are fans on. So the, I, what I would love for, for small businesses to do is to stop using that boost button and to click that little icon and start making better segments, like segmenting their audience so that they're reaching the right people and people that are more likely to be interested in what it is that they have to offer. Making actual choices about what their audience looks like as opposed to just talking to the existing audience. Exactly. Or friends of the audience. So on Twitter, you talked about competitors and how working in the space on Twitter that it's easy to find the people that are trying to talk to your competitors, that sort of thing. Can you speak more to that? Yeah, the, the great thing about Twitter um, is that you have the ability to target people based on specific Twitter handles. So you can go in and target people that are following your competitors. So let's say that you're Little Caesars and you want to show an ad or a sponsored tweet to people, all the people who follow Pizza Hut and Domino's. You can do that. So you can identify every single one of your competitors' Twitter handle and show an ad to those people. So one of the things that I, I saw recently was um, I was just doing a search for conversations happening about Little Caesars, and Pizza Hut had an ad that showed up in this hashtag that said Little Caesars. So you have the ability to target people based on based on their interests. Again, it's the same thing as with Facebook. You can target on their interests, their location, and the people that they're following. Um, even down to the language that they speak. Crazy. It is a crazy world. Kind of creepy at times, but, you know, um, when we were having the presentation, there was someone that had asked if they had a do not track. Yeah. Um, and my response was, you know, if you really want to be invisible, 
the best thing you can do is get off the internet. Yeah, and that's unlikely. Um, YouTube. Mm, yep. Those little ads that happen before I want to watch my cat videos. I do like to talk about cat videos in my presentation. You do? Yep. So maybe you should talk about them, but not them, but the pre-videos not that we all videos. see. Okay. Yeah, so um, in with YouTube, what I call it pre-roll, um, but it's, it's more than just pre-roll. Um, you have the ability to, I mean, every time that you go to watch a cat video, not every time, but there are ads that pop up before you watch, like, the latest Beyonce video. Um, there's usually some sort of ad that'll pop up that it'll be, like, 15 seconds or it's 30 seconds, and then at some point it'll say, skip ad. Like, would you like to skip this ad? Those are, that's what I call pre-roll. And then you also have um, sponsored videos that will be on the top right-hand side or videos that will show up on other Google properties. You have the ability to advertise on YouTube. Most small businesses or businesses in general don't realize that they have the ability to do that because it's not, um, when you go into something like Google AdWords, it's not readily apparent. You actually have to go to, to um, ads.youtube.com or just do a search for YouTube ads and it will take you to that landing page. You can tie that into your Google AdWords. Oh my word, this is really long. Um, but the idea is that you are introducing people to your product. And again, the same thing that happens with Facebook and Twitter. You want to make sure that you sort of segment your audience or you're targeting people that are going to be interested in your product versus just giving a blanket shotgun approach. Because one, it's going to cost you a lot of money, and two, it's just not going to be effective. Okay, you're right, this is getting long. So I just have one more question. Okay. Um, LinkedIn, what kinds of companies should be using LinkedIn? Because that's kind of an important thing for people to know. Yeah, um, really any company could use LinkedIn. Um, I mean, I imagine if you were a restaurant, you could probably target people on LinkedIn, especially if you're a restaurant that wants to host more business lunches. Sure, like, or if you're good for happy hours or something yeah, like that. But I would really focus on, um, let's say that you're a small business and you're providing a service. Like there was, um, there was a lady who came up after the presentation today who asked the question of, she was considering advertising on a major website um, and so I convinced her that, you know, instead of spending the $4,500 on, on this big website, which is not really your targeted audience, you take a look at LinkedIn. It, you don't need a large budget, um, but you can identify people who are most likely to use your service based on, I mean, she'd been in business for 15 years. So there was enough history there for her to figure out what her target audience would look like. Um, so because she knows what her customers look like. So she could go in and you can target people by the groups that they are in. Um, you can target people by industry function, the size of their company. Um, so like, for example, um, we, we're running ads for a company um, that's just going after truckers. So we, um, we ran an ad tar targeting people that were part of the American, or in a group called American Trucking Association, but all of the groups that were involved with trucking so that's those are the sort of things that you can do with LinkedIn. So they can be it can be really effective 
in um, one for branding, um, but making sure that you're driving people to, again, your website. Yeah. So LinkedIn, you know, is, is effective, but you really, it's very good for B2B. Fantastic. So there everyone has it. This is Billy on Paid Social. Yeah. So um, thank you again for everyone that's been listening to our podcast um, as we continue to do it. Um, moving forward, we will continue to have our podcast on a regular basis. And we also have some really interesting things that we're going to be announcing soon. Um, we are actually hosting a full day seminar on October 10th. And um, so we'll be announcing that soon and releasing the website and tickets and all of that good stuff. So really excited about the future of um, Social Media Club Detroit. And as always, thank you very much for listening. Computer says yes. I'm all jacked up on Computer says no. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.